Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 59. And the good news is I have Lauren with me once again, so that's always fun. Hi, Laura, how are you doing? And the bad news is that uh, there might be some weird sounds coming from my mic. I can't figure out what's going on. Yes, we have troubleshooted it as much as we can. Well, Lore has. Um, so hopefully it'll be fixed next time around, but forgive us if they're too distracting. Hopefully they won't be, though. Um, I also want to mention maybe all of my podcasts disappeared from my podcast page, which can be found at hugenhoff.org. I don't know how that happened, but I am in the process of fixing it, so the to- by the time this is released, I expect them to all be back. So, I do apologize for that inconvenience, but the RSS should still have everything, um, but I'll get them back up on, on the website working again, so you can listen to them one t- from the beginning to current. It wasn't any sort of test or experiment or thought of taking out taking off the old ones. It was just totally a mistake. So I apologize, and I will have them back on. What, you didn't want to archive them and then sell them off piecemeal? Uh, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> no. No, that was not my plan, because that plan's weird. Um, but I will remind everybody, if you had emails, please send them to huganoffpodcast at gmail.com. I've been having a lot of stuff going on in my life lately, so I haven't been great about emails this month. Um, I know I took a long time to respond to a couple, so I do apologize for that. But I do still read all the emails when I get to them, or when I get them and get back as soon as I can. So I do still appreciate getting emails. And remember, org is my website where you can find the podcast under the podcast tab. And by the time this is released, that's going to be up again. There will also be a feed burner link there. And if you want the podcasts... That's probably the best way to do them, just to subscribe to the RSS so they come to you automatically, since it's only a monthly show. All right, so um, unfortunately my littlest, my youngest, is having a rough night tonight, so my wife is taking care of her. I assure you I'm not ignoring my baby. Um, All her teeth are coming in, so people with kids probably have been through that before. Um... But now that that's all out of the way, we are going to go over Baldur's Dream tonight, which is, uh, I would say, an important piece of the lore. Um, Before we jump into that, though, I would like to remind people that Steve has written a few books now, and you can get them at Amazon. Uh, Do you want to go into details of how to find those, Steve? Sure. Um, all you got to do is go to Amazon, type in Walk On with Stephen Oaks, and you'll get my latest book, which I think is probably the best book I've written so far, but that's the way it usually goes. As you go along, they get better. I'm currently writing another one, and so that should be out within the next several months. I mean years. I mean decades. How long it takes. So. Oh, okay. Well, we will definitely... Keep an eye out for those. Yeah, and and get walk on anybody who hasn't already. Um, Okay, so I guess with all of that out of the way, we can just jump into the lore. Poor baby. I know. All our teeth are coming in. That's really hard for little ones. So she's she's just been having a rough time lately, which is a bummer. But um, 
we did a parenting podcast last time, or I did, so I'm not going to do another one so quick. Uh, Baldur's Dream, let's see, I'm going to get mine from the uh, Hollander translation of the Eddas, and Lore will be getting his from Sacred Texts, and I will try to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, let's see, so I think, well, I should say, the basic the basic part of how this works or whatever is it's talking about a prophetic dream that Balder had. He's sort of prone to prophecy and understanding prophecy and stuff like that. Um, so this is just the story behind that. Um, so I guess we'll just start at the beginning. Microphone muted. Microphone activated. Okay, so you may be hearing my microphone muting periodically, and that's just to try to cut down on background noise. So be aware. Um, I guess we'll just go ahead and begin at the beginning. Lord, do you want to read the first stanza? Microphone sure. muted. Uh, let's see here. Once were the gods together met, and the goddesses came and council held, and the far famed ones the truth would find why baleful dreams to Boulder had come. Microphone activated. Okay, so I guess that one is um pretty odd. Pretty odd. Oh, little girl's really being upset. That one's pretty self-explanatory. It's just um uh just sort of introducing the story. So I don't think we really need to go into detail on that one. So I'll go ahead and read the second stanza. Up rose Othan, oldest of gods, and on slept near the saddle laid. To the netherworld rode, to Neefhill dark, a hound he met, which from hell did come. Um, I don't know if we have to say anything additional about that, Lore. Nope, he just rode his horse down to Nifle Hill and found himself a hillhound. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'll let you take the third. All right. Bloody he was on his breast before, at the father of magic he howled from afar. Forward rode Othan, the earth resounded, till the house so high of hell he reached. Okay, so again, just uh, setting the stain. Was that stanza four? That was three. Oh. Yes, it is. Okay. It's a little... It's written a little different in the Hollander translation, but it's got a very similar meaning. Uh, for then Othan rode to the eastern gate, where the hoary seers, how he knew, their spells he chanted to charm up the dead, till unwilling arose the witch and spake. Um, so in this case, he is raising the dead. This is a thing that happens fairly commonly in Norse mythology. I won't say all of the time, but it's not just the gods who can raise and speak with the dead. Um, people can do it as well. It does occasionally come up in the sagas, so I just want to mention that. Do you, want, right. to read, do you want to read five? Sure. What is the man to me unknown that has made me travel the troublesome road? I was snowed on with snow, and smitten with rain, and drenched with dew. Long was I dead. Okay, so I guess this is the one that Odin has risen, asking um, for what reason have you risen me? Um, there is this idea in a lot of the sagas and the lore that people who are dead don't want to be risen from the dead. They want to rest, so to speak. Um... 
So that's something to keep in mind. It might tell us something about the afterlife. I don't know if we want to really get into that. I will mention that it's something to keep in mind that normally people do not want to be raised from the dead. And I also want to mention there's a lot of different afterlives in Norse mythology. Hell is a common one. Um, but there's other places you can go as well, and all of them are a little bit different in your feeling of wanting to be there or not. So I'll just leave it at that unless you want more. I will go on to six. Yes. Victim my name, or Othan said, Victim my name, I am, I am Valtum's son. Say of Misty Hell as I of Midgard, Midgard I... For whom are the benches with Bernie's covered? The day is decked eked with dazzling gold. Um, so he's introducing himself probably under a false name because that is something that Odin usually does. And he's asking who are these benches laid out for? Who's the guest going to be? And I'll let you take seven. Uh, I have a note here, and it's just saying that uh, she's probably a giantess. Or of the race of giants, and that's another reason why he's uh, concealing himself. Vegtem or Vegtem uh, just means the wanderer, and uh, he calls himself the son of Voltem, which just means fighter. Just okay. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, and I will point out that giantists, uh, giantesses are often seers or seeresses, however you pronounce that. Um, the giants do seem to have a lot of prophecy in their blood as well just as an aside. All right, so seven. The wise woman spake, Here for Baldur the mead is brewed, the shining drink, and a shield lies over it. But their hopes is gone. From the mighty gods, unwilling I spake, and now would be still. Okay, so she's announcing that hell is prepared to accept Baldur. And Othan says, Seek, Cease not, Cirrus, till said... I'm sorry. Cease not, Cirrus, till said thou hast. Answer the asker till all he knows. Who will Baldur slay, the blameless god, and send hither the son of Othan? Uh, so asking who is going to slay Baldur and send him here. Um, which I will just quickly say about Odin. This says a lot about his character, that he continues to ask questions and push for knowledge, where he could easily um, be overcome by grief. This does say something about his mental fortitude, just to mention that. But I'll let you continue. Okay. So the wise woman spake, Hoth thither bears the far-famed branch. He shall the bane of Balder become, and steal the life from Odin's son, unwilling I spake, and now will be still. Okay, so saying Hoth will be the one that does that. Um, and Odin continues, Cease not, Cirrus, till said thou hast, answer the asker till all he knows, the hateful deed who will avenge and Balder's slayer who send to hell. So who's going to avenge Balder, I guess? Mm-hmm. I'll let you continue. I'm just seeing if there was any notes oh, here. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, it's good. Do so, then we're on 11 now. Uh, the wise woman spake. 
Rindbear's Volley in Verstarlir. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and one night old fights Odin's son. His hands he shall wash not, his hair shall not comb, till the slayer of Baldur he brings to the flames. Unwilling I spake, and now would be still. Okay, so saying, um, Vali will be the one to avenge him. Uh, again, I'm going to point out that the Seeress, again, doesn't want to be risen to the dead and isn't doing this entirely voluntarily because she says unwilling she spake so the type of magic odin is used is using to compel her to speak you know that could be a whole podcast in itself and it'd be mostly conjecture i think um i just want to point out that when odin is getting these details the seeress doesn't really want to give away this information for whatever reason, but she's sort of being um, forced to. And also, uh, my note says Rind, who I don't know if is ever mentioned really around much, uh, but uh, Snorri has it as one of the goddesses, but it doesn't really mention much other than that. Okay. Yeah, um, and I mean, there's a lot of goddesses and gods both that get these like one line mentions or where they're mentioned really shortly but they don't have a whole fleshed out history and i never know if that's because they didn't play a huge role in the mythology and just simply didn't have a lot of stories or i think it's also very possible that um that part of the lore was just lost you know over such a long period of of time a lot of information is certainly lost, and it's always hard to say why the information about a particular god or goddess is lost. But or it also could be just another name. Uh, nothing really for sure, though. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, did you have anything else to say? I did not. Sorry, my okay. mic just cuts in and out. Oh no, that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fixed next time. Let's see. Twelve, cease not, Cirrus, till said thou hast. Answer the asker till all he knows. Who are the girls that greet so sore and their kerchief's corner cast to the sky? I have a note on this one. Is there something might be lost in this one? This says, answer... The waves, probably there is a pun intended for the word of the original here translated. Kerchief corners may also mean the corners of the sail. Mm -hmm. Similar riddles are propounded by Gistam Blendi Othan in the Hervarar saga, chapter 9, which I haven't. which I haven't actually read. To account for the riddle being introduced here, it has been suggested that the lines refer to the sails of the ship bearing dead Baldur's body in Gilfagin in chapter 48, mm-hmm. which dips into the sea. So, oh, so that's what that's about. And my book just closed. <laughs> I really don't like how it does it, because whenever I uh, check a note, it won't go back to where I was. It will go to the notes, and then it won't return to the page. Gee, that you I should was just on. have the book open. <sighs> It would be easier, honestly. 
I used to do okay. that, but uh, yeah, the internet's better. <laughs> I know, the internet sort of ruined a lot of things, because it would be easier to flip back and forth, but then again, it's a lot easier to hold on to my phone than a physical book, so, you know, I found my place again. Okay, I'm ready for 13. Okay. So, uh, this one is, uh, The wise woman spake, Vegtem thou art not, as erstwhile I thought, Othen thou art, the enchanter old. Then Odin says, No wise woman art thou, nor wisdom hast. Of giants three, the mother art thou. Hmm, so she realizes that he is Odin, and he realizes... But rather of third. So who does he realize she is? Well, she's the mother of three, what it says. I don't know exactly what that's talking about yeah my note says possibly two, two separate stanzas enchanter the meaning of the original word is most uncertain hmm and i don't have a note at all i don't know if that's i mean obviously it's important but i don't know if that's like the mother of the norns which are sometimes implied to be giants i don't know i don't hmm. know exactly what that means that is an interesting thought who was who was that um, witch who came way oh. back in the Valsapa? Jeez. Uh, I can't remember. I just wonder if it's implying that that, that she is that like original Well, if we go... Witch. like he, He's talking that she's a wise woman and all this other stuff, but at the very beginning it says something about raising a witch. Yeah. Raising a witch or something like that. Uh, do, 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 do. In here, uh, whether the Volva, wise woman, of the poem is identical with the speaker in the Volsipa is purely a matter for conjecture. Uh, nothing definitely opposes such supposition, as the longer poem she fore foretells the fall of the gods, so in this case she prof prophesizes the first incident of the fall, the death of Baldur. Here she is called upon from the dead by Odin, anxious to know the meaning of Baldur's evil dreams. Uh, it is likewise in intimated that the Volva has risen from the grave. So mm. there's a good chance she is the same, but it sounds like nothing, nothing definite. Yeah. It's just conjecture. I mean, I kind that's just kind of my feeling of maybe that's what's going on. But I guess I guess we don't know. I guess that's something interesting to think about, but... There's not really a way to know, definitely, mm -hmm. one way or the other. So I guess we'll keep that in the back of our mind. And uh, let's see. The seeress says, Homeward hie thee, happy in mind. No chanted spells will charm me up until Loki is loose from his bonds. And the day will come of the doom of the gods. Oh, is that the end of it? Yeah, it's very short. I did not realize this was quite so short. Um... Ooh. Okay, did we have anything to say about that before we talk about general ideas of the poem? Well, so here at the end it's just saying that uh, she's not going to allow herself to be risen back up until Loki goes free. But this is before he goes free, because this is of course before the actual death of Baldur. This is just on his dream. Right. Uh, so let's see here. I have a note that says, uh, Concerning Loki's escape and his relation to the destruction of the gods, see the Volsipa, obviously. While the wise woman 
probably means only that she will never speak again till the end of the world. It has been suggested, as in, and is certainly possible, that she intends to give Loki her counsel, thus revenging herself on Odin. Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know, that's possible. Yeah. Well, if she's already over there, he can't come raise her then, I maybe? Right. Yeah. Well, at the very least, we probably know. I mean, we do. Because there's this is the only the last time in the lore that it's mentioned that she ra- that she's raised from the dead. So, yeah, how much she might help Loki is kind of hard to say, but it makes sense that she would offer him his counsel. So, that is an interesting thought. Oh, um, apparently isn't a fan of Odin. <laughs> No, no, and partially because she's a giantess, and that whole first uh, interaction, I guess you'd say, happened in the Valsapa, and wasn't she the one that was burned three times or whatever? So there's definitely a lot of hostility, and also because she's a giantess, and that's generally speaking the enemy of the gods. So yeah, no, she's definitely not a fan of Odin. Um, and now I think there's another story telling the death of Balder, uh, maybe even elsewhere in here, where it goes into the detail of how he's actually killed. So I'm not going to go into that detail because I'm pretty sure that's another story where it actually talks about how Hod kills him with the mistletoe and all of that. Um, but for a little bit of context to this story, Balder was plagued by bad dreams, which I sort of mentioned, but I want to make clear that he was going to die. And since he's prophetic, Odin decided it was something that was very much worth checking out and looking into. So then that's when he goes, I guess, and raises the Cirrus to get the prop, uh, the actual prophecy. Um, but yeah, somewhere else in the lore, I know there's a place where it goes into exactly how Balder is killed and how that all comes about. I think it's in the poetic Eddas, but it's possible it's in those other Eddas. The, um... What are the other ones called? The Elder Eddas or something? There's like two different versions of the Eddas, and it could be in that one. I I found uh, kind of the story here on Sacred Text, because I just went searching for it, and it's just titled The Death of Balder. It doesn't give, like... It's uh, location okay. in, in, in text, other than saying the death of Balder, the elves' runic letter scalds Iceland. That's basically all it says. Mm. I think that this is a very, um, what would it be? Popular, I guess. Popular story. Um, because it's so big and it's so meaningful. Did you want to quickly go over what happens in the death of Balder to give some more history and context of what's coming up for people. Sure. So, obviously, Frigga just uh, goes out after hearing the dream from uh, uh, Balder that he was going to die or something was going to happen to him. So she goes out and makes everything promise not to hurt him, but she didn't prom- uh, make Mistletoe promise it because it was too young for oaths or something like that is what she had said. So she didn't bother it. And then Loki hears that, goes out, transforms himself, uh, makes himself a spear out of mistletoe because he's a jerk 
and hands it to the blind god to join in with the others who were having a good old time because nothing could hurt Balder because everything promised not to. Mm-hmm. And, well, the blind god throws it, pierces Balder, kills him right then and there, and that is the death. Yeah, and then, obviously, as was said in this story, Vali is born after that. And then he avenges Balder's death after he's born and he doesn't comb his hair or wash his hands. Well, he's born and he grows in a full day and then he doesn't comb his hair or wash his hands until the deed is done. And what he does is kill Balder. Which makes for an interesting story because in a lot of ways you'd see Balder as innocent because... Uh, You're saying Balder. I think you mean somebody else. (laughs) I mean, yes, I do. Uh, Hod. Mm -hmm. Um... In a lot of ways, you'd see Hod as innocent because he didn't have the intention of killing Balder. It was it was Loki who had the intention of killing Balder, and he tricked Hod into actually doing it, but there is still some amount of responsibility that Hod has for being the one who actually actually killed him. And I mean, there's still a lesson. There's still the idea that you need to have some amount of guard up to not let yourself be manipulated even if you are innocent and you're manipulated into doing something bad you do still share some amount of responsibility for that because Hod could have just refused and been like well Well, I don't know what I'm doing and were the gods were the gods even sure that Loki is the one that made this at this time I don't think they were sure but I do think they suspected and I I think they heavily suspected and I think that was probably solidified when uh, because the next thing that happened is Hell agreed that if everybody shed tears for Balder, everybody in the world then she would let him come back from hell. And everybody did, except for one giantess, which was, again, probably Loki in disguise, so he didn't come back. And I'm pretty sure the gods heavily suspected that was Loki as well. Well, what I also find interesting is the the way Loki gets around not breaking any O's to the gods is he didn't kill him. He had somebody else do it. And then, in turn... Uh, Volley didn't swear any oaths because he's a newborn and he was able to kill another one of the gods, another loophole. Yeah, there are. That's interesting because there are a couple loopholes. Because, right, Loki didn't actually do the killing. I mean, he planned the killing, so it's still definitely wrong, but not for the sense that it was breaking oaths so much as it was just a premeditated plan to get someone killed. But it, it's come up many times that Odin cannot just go out and kill Loki because they are blood brothers of a sort. So his hands are sort of tied. But if you bring someone completely new into the situation, being Vali in this case, his hands aren't tied and he can avenge them. And I would also point out that though um, Hod does get killed to avenge Balder, he does still... And he he goes to hell and everything else. His punishment is not nearly as bad as what Loki's punishment turns out to be, which is being bound to the center of the earth with the poison dripping in his eyes. And we've gone over that story, so I won't go into great detail of his fate more than what I just did. 
Um, but that punishment is far worse than just just straight up dying and going to hell. You'll notice Hod didn't go to Nifle Hell or something like that, which would be a significantly worse place. Well, another interesting thing, because I'm just going about reading random stuff. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Volley, what what are the uh, characteristics that you would give to Volley? Like justice? Uh, justice and vengeance would, I mean, be the first ones that jump to my mind. Well, do you remember the son of Balder and his wife, who isn't talked about too much, Nana? Yeah. That's Forsetti. And what yeah. are the characteristics for Forsetti? And again, that's uh, Justice is his biggest characteristic. Even more than someone like Tyr, who is still about Justice, mm-hmm. um, the idea of justice and fairness falls almost more to to the lot of Forsetti even than Tyr. So, yeah, that is interesting. And Forsetti doesn't get mentioned as much as I as I think maybe he should. Mm-hmm. Probably because there's not, a, there's not a, a whole lot of stories about him, but I still think he's a really important god because he he does have to do with justice. And Tyr is more like the enforcement of mm-hmm. carrying, carrying out adjustment. Ju- well. Sorry, carrying out justice and enforcing it, where Forsetti has more to do with the judge aspect and making the fair right calls. Well, Forsetti here is actually considered uh, the equivalent, a divine equivalent, I suppose, of mm-hmm. what a human law speaker was supposed to be. So that, I think, is interesting, because we have a law speaker, and then we have a... Uh, well, is law speaker more of a guardian of law, but not necessarily a guard? I was trying to make something. <laughs> yeah, because I see that the law speaker, though certainly would be connected to Forsetti, mm-hmm. is equally connected to Tyr, because mm-hmm. the law speaker, um, and this is just an office that most kindreds have, and it, historically, it, it was a position that could be held. And I've seen the law speaker, though they would certainly make decisions and protect the laws, they would also actively protect and guard uh, the group of people, the kindred, for example, if like someone went crazy or something or someone (laughs) was causing trouble the law speaker might step in to make sure that they uh to get the situation under control and that seems to be more of a tier aspect do i suppose see see i'm looking at tier and it's it's more like i wouldn't say policeman but Mm -hmm. certainly a uh uh physical force to be reckoned with but then Forsetti comes in, and it's and it seems more like a lawyer or, or judge or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's kind of how I always took it too. So I I see that the law speaker really fits strongly into both of those categories, but I would put them more into the guardian type category. Um, maybe that's just my personal preference but i know historically they certainly had a lot to do with the law and there are certainly protectors but i know that a council of gothi a council of gothis were often the ones to like vote on what the outcome of the trials and stuff like that would be now granted a gothi today like if i'm a gothi today my role is very different than what it used to be i'm just basically 
a figurehead for the kindred who runs the rituals, mm-hmm. which the Gothies of old time did as well. But I'm not taking suits. You know, if you want to sue someone, you wouldn't come to me as the judge. Because the Gothie used to be a person of political as well as religious power. Mm-hmm. Um, so, granted, it's a little different <clears throat> these days, but I'm just thinking historically, I feel like the Gothies fell more into the judge role. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would just call the law speaker closer to Tier. I don't know. Listen to this, um, at least in this site, which is northmythology.org. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt, maybe. Yeah. Uh, they are saying here that Forseti being called the child of Balder and Nana may not be completely accurate because they say Snorri was ever concerned with tidiness at the expense of accuracy and apparently just claimed with no apparent basis that uh, Forseti was the child of those two. Um, Mm, Well, that is interesting. Now, that's interesting indeed. I'm trying to see if he's got any kind of other sources here. Um, About a holy spring with a name similar to Forseti. Uh, but that doesn't say anything about his origin. Yeah, one of the problems with um, Snorri being so influential in Norse mythology, he's normally the first place you'd go to sort of get an idea of what's going on, is that kind of gives a single person's writing an awful lot of power and weight. Now, granted, a lot of it we can verify outside of the Eddas. So, for example, we're not going to think that Snorri made up Odin or something. We're not Mm going to think that he made up the story of the runes because there'll be mentions in other pieces of lore, other manuscripts, and other Mm -hmm. archaeological digs and sites that confirm that. But a lot of the smaller stuff, um, Forseti, the origins of Forseti, rather, being one of them, we're kind of, we kind of are putting a lot of faith in Snorri, and it's hard to say if that's appropriate or not. It's a good piece of... It's a good source of information, but I guess it is important to remember that it could be flawed. Pieces of it could be untrue. It's it's not like... Uh, depending on who you are, some people think it is. But I don't think it's like some piece of sacred text where everything <laughs> written in the, in the Eddas are absolutely unarguably true though generally speaking i think that most of it is true so that's that's a good point and the bigger question of like how much power do we want to give to snorri and deciding what is the case and what is not the case well if this statement is true that he just liked cleanliness and neatness and started putting things together like that that could uh, also be partially responsible for some of the people confusing Frigga and Freya as the same goddess as well, uh, because he does write uh, Odd, I believe, was her husband. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets confusing a little bit in there. And it may just be the names are similar. Yeah. He may have done that to that end, or it may just be that he happened to wish to make the Pantheon smaller. (laughs) Well, and I suppose if the Pantheon was smaller, it would be neater. There would be less things to remember and more connections and stuff like that. Um, but I, th- I think another thing that people make a mistake with is 
just because two things sound similar, they must be the same. Like Odd and Odin. Yeah, I guess they sound similar, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they must be the same thing. Well, also, um, that and Odin goes out and uh, has children with not his wife, for the most yes. part, it seems. And perhaps that was another case of uh, the Christian influence or or the uh, societal pressures to kind of put things into less cheating-seeming words. Mm. For all of the gods, really. Possibly. But, I mean, they still did not try to hide the fact that Odin's going out there having children with women other than his wife. Which is interesting, because the only one I can think of off the top of my head that did that, other than Odin, was Loki. Because he sired children with a bunch of different things, and people, and witches, and his wife. He did, yeah. But, I'm, and again, there are a lot of comparisons. Uh, obviously, they're extremely different gods, but Odin and Loki do have some similarities in their character. And one thing that I think they definitely do share is a... I don't want to say lack of concern or not caring about, because that's not true, but they don't have a huge problem breaking societal norms to achieve their own ends. Obviously, since I'm Austro, I think Odin's ends are more justified, and I would not say that he's doing immoral things, but he's definitely doing things that are not accepted by society, and Loki also does things that are not accepted by society. So I wonder if that's why there's so much infidelity between those two, because the society would say, yeah, you should probably be faithful to your spouse. Um... Odin and Loki, since they have a lower regard for societal pressures, would be the natural two that would not follow that rule when it didn't suit their needs. Read. Yeah. I also There's also an interesting thing that comes up, which I think is interesting. I don't personally think there's a lot of truth to it, but I think it's interesting, where you talk about Odin... Um, the Odin story and the Frey, Freya story, where she sleeps with the dwarves, um, saying that the in Christian times, which Snorri was a Christian and he wrote all of this, they are trying to vilify the gods by making them be unfaithful. So the argument would go in the original stories, the gods were always faithful and always did the right thing, but Snorri changed that so people would be, since he was on board with the Christianization of Iceland. He would want people to have less respect for the gods, so he would write in infidelity, where in reality it didn't actually exist. Maybe. I don't believe it. Also, um, we don't know what kind of oaths uh, any of these couples took to each other, or even if they did. Likely they did. But we don't know, so maybe Odin, being the kind of guy he is... Worded his his oaths differently than perhaps yeah. others, and we don't even know if Loki uh, was breaking his oaths earlier or not. He certainly is going to try and do so at Ragnarok, but yeah, I yeah. 
I think that's a really good point because a lot of times we have the idea that if you're married, you have oath to be faithful to your spouse because a lot of people do that. It's accepted societally. I did that, but it's not necessarily the case. And we see so many instances where Odin does not break his word, like this whole story here when he got the future of what was going to happen to... um. Balder, he could have just gone out there and killed Hod, but he can't really because he hasn't done anything wrong yet, for one thing, and he's kind of akin to the gods. And there's many times when he could have just gone out and killed Loki, but he didn't because he's bound to him in this like blood brother oath. So Odin takes his oaths very seriously and doesn't violate them. So my thinking is the oath that he took to Frigga was probably not one that precluded um, having relations with other people. And you can imagine in today's society, if there was a person, this, this, these two people got married, and they were like, well, we're going to love each other, but we can still have sex with other people. And then they did that. They're not doing anything immoral. It, I think, society, not me, but society at large would say, you're weird, but they're not doing anything immoral. And I'm just wondering and personally thinking that's probably closer to where um, Odin was in this society, that maybe it was normal to be faithful to your spouse, but he could easily and probably did take an oath that didn't require that and as long as both parties agree, him and Frigga in this case, as long as both parties agree they're okay with that, um, there's really nothing wrong with that or nothing immoral about it. There's another thing I'd like to mention. So I'm thinking about this. He has now future knowledge. And he tends to get future knowledge because he keeps asking questions and searching for more and more information about everything. Could it be the case that at least in this... Uh, this particular kind of story that we get from our ancestors uh, that they believe that a future was set and it couldn't be changed no matter what information you're getting you can just be better prepared for such a situation and maybe hold it off but it's always inevitable that something like that's going to happen yeah that's possible um i guess there's two ways i think there are two ways that you can look at it either you can look at it like that and maybe think that there is a decent amount of fatalism in also true let's say where right odin has all this foreknowledge and he doesn't change it he doesn't he doesn't even put hod in jail he doesn't even send him on a trip or something so he doesn't try to stop it from happening so it could be that fatalism is at play um and a lot of the a lot of the sagas do sound a bit fatalistic, so that's certainly a possibility. It could also be that there is there is a certain way that Odin wants history to play out, and as much as this is a sad and unfortunate thing, this is necessary for a grander plan. And the reason I say that is because after Ragnarok, Balder comes back from the dead and uh, sort of rules among with the other gods, but he has a ruling spot in the new world that, that rises after Ragnarok. So maybe Odin is 
<clears throat> excuse me. Baby Odin realizes this is a thing that will happen, but he understands why it has to happen and can embrace that for the future of all of his folk instead of being self- selfish isn't the right word, but instead of being more self-serving and um, making Balder stay in this world. Right, because imagine if he had lived and fought alongside the rest of the gods during Ragnarok. It's likely he would have died just as well as all the other ones kind of do, save like mm-hmm. some of the children and stuff. But uh, this saves him, and also the death of uh, Hod by Vali also saves Hod, because Hod's going to return as well, at least from what I've read. Yes, yeah, he is. Um, from my, if my memory serves me correct, Hod is going to return as well, and he may play an important part in the next cycle. It's a bit of a story about redemption. He's obviously learned something in this turn of the wheel, and will be a better person for it in the next cycle. So yeah, that's at least two gods that are going to be there because they were killed early. If they were not killed early, they wouldn't be. They're in the second and the the next cycle. So I just wonder if Odin understands that this is necessary and for that reason doesn't prevent it. Um, and it, it comes down very personally to your own personal beliefs because I think the argument for fatalism versus embracing a necessary future are both pretty much equally valid. I just am closer to the idea of embracing a certain future. I think all of us have a destiny or have a thing that we can fulfill, but I also think it's entirely optional if we choose to do that or not. And I think it's the same thing with Odin. He has chosen to make a certain future which will be better for the world in the long run, and he knows there will be sacrifices, and though those are unfortunate, in the long run it's better. So for the sake of his folk, he's letting Balder die and Hod die because he knows it's necessary. Well, that we don't get an end reaction from Odin in this tale either. So we don't know what his actual response would have been other than he was just pushing for more and more information until she, you know, finally just shut up. Right. Yeah, that's true. And obviously... I mean, I could argue that if he wanted to make sure the future was the one he wanted, he would need more information so he could verify, if you will. Whereas if everything was just fatalistic, it wouldn't matter. But I think that's a bad argument because the nature of Odin, even if everything is fatalistic, he'd still want to know everything. Well, then we don't know the time frame that he asked and then the death, really. We so, don't. I, I do believe he uses that Vegtim. Uh, Vegetim uh, name in other stories. So, if you want, you maybe you could just say that that's him still going on his journey of more information. Yeah, um, I don't know how important it is exactly how far after the death took from when he learned it, because it's still something that he chose not to actively stop. Because we don't see a place where he tried to actively stop it. True. And I feel like for that reason, it has more to do with the necessity of Balder dying and Odin knowing that. Um, 
but again, if you were to go the fatalistic, the fatalist path, you would say that Odin was wise enough to know fate cannot be changed, so he didn't try. Um, I don't know. A lot of it really does just come down to your personal belief on fate and divination. Like, if you're the type that believes in divination, is it simply to know the future because you're curious, or is it to know the future because you could then change it, but obviously with like real deep divination, there'd have to be a third question. Are you sure you really want to change the future to something different? Perhaps the path you're on really is the best of the long run. I mean, in the end, yeah, you have to decide yourself, but this is actually a, a, a character story for Odin himself more than anything just as to what he does or does not do with the information he gathers. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that... Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, especially because this is his son. Um, Balder is his son, and it's the son that he had with um, Frigga, his actual wife. And it's pretty obvious that everybody, including Odin, likes Balder a lot. So the type of I feel like the type of sacrifice he makes, if this is for the greater good or the grand scheme of things or whatever, he understands that in the long run this will be better, does say a lot about him. And just the pushing for knowledge and always pushing for knowledge, even with something like the death of your child, that's that says a lot about the character of Odin because that's something that I don't think most people would want to do so it does I mean, say a lot he's also a very grim god and uh, oh interesting thing i found out the other day doing random research there really wasn't too many people going about worshiping odin uh <laughs> yeah he, the sacrifices that he i don't know if required is the word but mm -hmm. were given to him were rather gruesome yeah to say the least and many people just rather have, uh, you know, worshipped Thor or any of the other gods, really. Yeah. And he was he was more popular in some places than other. Mm -hmm. um, Sweden, he was more popular. And he was definitely more pos popular among the, mo the nobility or kings as opposed to, like, regular people. But yeah, you're right. Odin, even today, I mean, he's the same god, obviously. But he he's very grim. And it's not the same type of friendly relationship you might have with a god like Thor. He's a lot harder to approach, and when you read these stories, you sort of understand why. Because he has sacrificed a lot and given up a lot. Um, and he requires and, of you yes. <laughs> the sacrifice to get to where you want to be, or as you ask. So any response he might give would be possibly considered drastic yeah it would and he, it's he's definitely not the type of god that would just you ask a question and he's like yeah it's this i mean the answer is going to be cryptic because of the nature of odin and his like clever wordplay and everything else and it's probably going to ask a lot of you because he asks a lot of himself and I think that would carry over to people who dealt with him so yeah he's not a god that would be very easy to approach. Um, 
Not to say you shouldn't. I'm not telling anybody out there not to work with Odin. But it is something to keep in mind that I do think that he perhaps demands more than some of the other gods and is less easily approachable than the other gods, especially if you've been, if you start working with him like on a deeper level. And yeah, most people didn't do it because, well, and also, isn't he said to never smile after he discovered uh, the future? Or all of that stuff with all, with yes. all this divination that he's learned about the end of the world. As soon as he learned that, he's said to never smile again. So definitely not the most jovial of gods. He's got some really important things that he's that he's dealing with. So yeah, I think that he demands more than than maybe other gods would. Anyway, that's interesting, but I I do think we're wrapping up. I think it's been around an hour. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Uh, Did you have any final thoughts on really anything we've discussed today? Oh, man. We (laughs) went off the rails there. (laughs) We did, but it's a short story, so I thought it was a fun diversion. So, uh, I don't know. I just, it, it's very interesting to go into even these short stories because, uh, again, character study on anyone related into the story. And as you can see, it can lead to a lot of different and interesting conversations. Uh, the Forsetti conversation in general I thought was pretty interesting. But uh, in the end, yeah, Odin, not smiling, will ask much of anyone who asks of him. And that's basically my final thought on that. Okay. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'd suggest anybody who hasn't read the Balder story, it's a bit of a popular one, so you probably have. But if you haven't read it, do go ahead and read it. And I I do think it goes a lot into Odin's character and sort of some of the darker and more difficult stuff that he has had to deal with in the past. And I would suggest that you think about um, why, after knowing this, Odin doesn't try to save Balder. And I really do think it's because it's necessary that Balder come back, and Hod as well, both come back in the next cycle. I think that he is making the proper decision for the greater good. So spend some time thinking about that. Uh, That's all I'll say for now. Steve, do you want to tell us where you can find your book one more time? Sure. You can go to Amazon.com <laughs> and type in Stephen Oaks, and you'll find one of my books. But right now, I would say Walk On is probably the best of the bunch. Um, but if you want to follow me more, you can always go to StephenOaks.com, and then that'll link to a bunch of different places, especially if you go into the, uh, what do I call it, blog section. And I have places there, so if you like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you can follow me there. But, you know, it's mostly just me posting my rambling uh, thoughts about writing or whatever I've been doing. So, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I will remind you, if you want to spend... If you want to send email, please do so to hugenhawpodcast at gmail.com. A reminder, I will have the podcast back up. Don't know what happened. I'll get that fixed shortly. Um, And subscribe to the RSS if you feel like it. Uh, All of that stuff, everything you need, can be found at hugenhoff.org. Most of it under the podcast section. Um, 
but yeah, anywhere on that site, you will find links and podcasts and emails and everything else. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Lore, thank you for being on again. Thank you. And everyone have a good rest of your month, I guess. Frahel. Frahel. Frahel.